Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. This week's guest is an author, she's a blogger, she's a campaigner. And she's a part-time working mummy. <laughs> it's Rachel Hamilton. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good. Yeah, good. Excited yeah. to be here. You know what I find funny? I've read your posts for so long, I haven't heard your voice. And it's actually over the yeah. last week, I've been reading the book, I've literally had it in three different ways. I've had it in physical form, Yeah. I've had it on my Kindle, and I've had it on audiobook. Right. So when I've gone for a run, you have been in my ears. Oh wow, that's nice. It's really I, lovely, um, and it all syncs up. I never knew it could do that. Oh, does it? Yeah. So you don't have to search for the bit you're No, at. so if literally, if I've just been come in for a run, and I'm like, oh, I'll carry on reading while the kids are, I'll, I'll wait for Max to go to bed. It literally, it syncs up. It says you were oh, last wow. listening at this point and it oh, takes you there. that's cool. Mm. Technology. I know, blew my mind. Yeah. Never and what did you think before. of the book? I loved it. Oh, did you? Honestly, I, I thought it was amazing. I thought your honesty throughout it was great. I've read that you wanted to start blogging because your life wasn't represented in what you were reading, what you were seeing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think from my experience, I wanted to start blogging because I felt like everything was so filtered and everything was so perfect. Yes. But you're a different, like, the things that you've experienced are completely different. Yeah. And you're shining a light in a way that's helping so many others in circumstances that I've got no No. knowledge of. Yeah. And making it accessible for all so that we all kind of know what to look out for as well. Yeah. And just normalising it, really, so that people see that it happens everywhere and it's not as it looks. Mm. Yeah. So you have five children... Yes, between me and my husband, we've got two boys and three girls, and a sixth on the way. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. You say that. I know. And then I go, well, if we won the lottery, and he goes, just stop. Just stop. Do you reckon, though, when this one goes to school, you might be like, oh? No. I feel done this time. Really? My body feels older. That's how I felt when I was Yeah, and I just feel like... Yeah, with the others, I've always kind of felt like, oh, God, you know, 
I'm not done. I don't want this to be the last yeah. one. Whereas this time, I feel like that, that's enough. I've heard someone say, someone said to me, yeah. you know when you're done. Yeah. And I felt like And And you. everyone said that. And when they've said it, I thought, well, I think I'm done, but I don't feel like that. Yeah. Whereas now I think I'm done and it's not even out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. I'm just going to look forward to holidays, just the two of us. And um, done my bit, I think, now. So, yeah, no. So let's go back to your childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your upbringing like? My parents originally um, lived up in Manchester, proper Mancunians. They had my brother and sister in Manchester. And then we moved down to a little tiny village called Gampton in Torbay in Devon. And we bought a huge guest house where my mum ran and my dad went off. He was a plumber, total workaholic, proper, you know, northern grafter. And that's kind of my brother Matthew, who's five years older than me and myself. We were born down in Devon. So... I suppose really they moved down for a better life really you know city and it was just kind of my dad said like the violence was worsening and things were just not nice whereas they kind of wanted to kind of raise us in the country I suppose. So that was life um, until I was four and then my parents separated. My mum left the family home in Devon and ended up moving up to Lincolnshire. Um, Was that a sudden thing? Yeah I don't recall her going. I don't remember you know, like I say in the book, I don't know if she just slipped away in the night or there was an argument or... But there's the same age difference between my daughter Betsy and Edie right. as there is between me and my sister. So I just remember my sister telling me that, you know, mum and dad have split up and mum's left. And that was that was your brother telling you rather yeah. than a parent. Yeah, and my siblings, really. And that was it, she'd just gone. And I don't remember seeing her again, I don't remember... And I suppose... When I go on tour, I get asked this question um, a lot and I think it's really difficult because the way I kind of look at it is Edie is my baby with my ex-partner. He's an amazing dad to her and she stays at his house with his wife a couple of times a week, you know, and she has this massive social life, Edie, for a five-year-old. You know, she's at parties, she's got all these friends, um, she's got a huge family on her dad's side, huge family with us. And I think ultimately I'm still the centre of our universe, mm. you know, being her mum, you know, even though we go out to work and we rely on childcare, you know, she'll go to school for six hours and hold in a poo because she only wants me to wipe her bum. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like, you know, she only wants me to put her to bed. She only wants me to cut up her chicken. Yeah. And I think Edie's, you know, the way I look at it is Edie's got this huge network of support surrounding her, whereas when I was Edie's age and younger... I only really had my mum, so I didn't go to a nursery. My dad was a workaholic. My siblings were older, so they were all at school, and my mum had moved away from everyone she knew. I kind of suppose I'd do it through Edie and think, what would happen now if tomorrow morning Betsy said to you, oh, mum's gone, Mm. like mum's not coming back? And I think, oh, my God. So I look at it and I think, that's the reality, really. That's what happened. One day she was there doing everything, the next day she'd gone. So, And I was four and a half when when she left so I think life kind of changed overnight really because when Mm. she was at home and my parents were together we were really wealthy we owned a beautiful home and and we wanted for nothing you know so yeah it's difficult but it's not it's not a memory but now that you've got children who have been that age like when Betsy was first sort of four and a half does it make you look back at that time and go I was so young I was so innocent and and I break my heart through them, I suppose, in the run-up to the months coming up to them turning that exact age. Mm. She left in the January and I was five in the May, so I'll go, you know, a few months before and just and just study them when they sleep, you know, look at their toes and their fingers and, yeah. and just think, how, how, how am I here? Like, how did I live without my yeah. mum? You know, that's the reality of it because I just look, you know, I look at Betsy and she's that much taller than me and... You know, she's a she's an adult now, really, in her mindset, the way that she can support me when I'm going through stuff. She's so grown up. But ultimately, I still think at the age of nearly 15, she mm. wouldn't cope if I disappeared tomorrow. You know, that is kind of the reality of it. But And I can picture myself going through it. I just don't feel the emotion. And, you know, when I got with Josh, I had, like, loads of therapy about all different stuff. And my therapist kind of tried to explain to me that as a child, you know, children that suffer, like, abuse and neglect, they don't have the life skills to cope, so they basically just suppress those feelings and block them out. So then when you become an adult, you know, if you've grown up with an addicted parent, you know, a functioning heroin addict, stuff like that, you will remember that lifestyle, but you don't feel the pain that you must have been in. It's quite an amazing coping yeah, mechanism, it is. really. Yeah, yeah. Children are amazing, aren't they? Mm. You know, we see what they kind of go through. 
but I, I suppose that is, you know, my childhood is why my Instagram looks like it does <laughs> and my house is full of random kids. <laughs> my husband's hair is well, hair Well, I've got to say, one thing that really came across in the book is that everyone that you talk about, you talk about their mums. Do I? Yes. It's something that I, uh, yeah, you do. Are you and the, the first person The way that, that you talk me? about them, it's so lovely. The way that so many people's mums actually kind of took you in and yeah. and showed you actually what a mum could be. Yeah. And yeah, there's and one I, mum who gave you amazing words of wisdom that I literally I'm was on the run does, and I cried. Yeah. And That's my best friend Layla. She gets married in July and we're, her parents will be there, but her mum is just still amazing. You know, mm. sends me texts every now and then just checking in on me and... Last week I opened a letter that came through to Betsy and it was just a card from her English teacher and it just said, Dear Betsy, I've noticed you're not yourself at the moment around the school. Like, if anything's bothering you, just give me a shout. I miss your beautiful smile. And she's fine. She's just a hormonal teenager <laughs> that's ruining everyone's <laughs> life. But um, but I just kind of thought that's all it takes yeah. for a child that's going through something at home that is going to go down that wrong path. You just need that one adult, be it a teacher, a mum, you know, anything like that that can just kind of bring you back. Mm. And I think when I look at myself back then, you know, that is what I needed. And the parents that did that to me and invited me into their homes and, and looked after me. And things kind of stood out, which make me a mum. So, for instance, I said in the book about when I'd go to my friend's house and their mum would be like, what have you had for your lunch today? And it just stressed them out. And it's the same with my kids now. It's like, mm. I don't know. And I'm like, we well, do know, because you've had four <laughs> hours ago. Like, what have you eaten? Have you drunk your water? Have you? And they're like, oh, God. But because I was the child that nobody asked that question to... Yeah. I remember when my friends would get in a mood with their mums for asking, I'd be like, oh, God, I wish someone would ask me that. And I just remember always, I always thought when I have children or even if I don't have children and I'm in a child's life as an adult, I will be the person, you know, to take on that role. So, uh, you know, you just you do stuff, don't you, from childhood, I suppose. And Mm. that's something that I just drive my kids mad with <laughs> what do you eat and what have you drunk do you love me <laughs> do I love, love you <laughs> I love you now you say I love you too yeah oh, yeah no. say it back say it back <laughs> yeah it's interesting I think even though your mum wasn't there she almost had a bigger impact yeah because it made you kind of assess what a mum is yeah and, and what she that was role an amazing is mum you know mm. she was and have I think you, has she ever given you an explanation no, not really. I think I think she was desperately unhappy. Yeah. Um, I think my dad worked every hour. She had four kids at home. She was away from her support network. And I think she was just drowning in mm. kids. And, and it's hard. And I think back then, no one ever stepped in and said, are you OK? Yeah. You know, the reality is if, if she had been that today, would she have gone? I don't know. Would she have, you know, she said family court back then. She didn't, she just didn't have the fight in her to take us and... And I think when she went, it was then easier to almost forget us. You know, it was mm. like we were out of sight, out of mind, just for her to cope, for her to be able to kind of deal with it. But, you know, things have changed. And, you know, people, men have their children all the time now. It's normal for, for mums to go and work and dads to stay at home. And times have changed. But I think, no, we've never we've never sat down and spoke. And it's had a massive effect on, on our relationship now. And Do you think she's read the book? I don't know. Because that thing isn't you kind of almost reading it, you kind of gonna want to go. You want to go. I hope she's read it yeah. and kind of gone. Maybe it's we really, just sit down and yeah. I can say I don't know why. You and, know? and it's really hard, G, because you know we still talk. We talk yeah. all the time because my kids still see her and she'll see them. But there's kind of an elephant in the room where we just skirt around stuff and it's like you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'll drop her over at six. Okay, take care. And, and it's pleasant, but we've lost the mum and. You know, and I just think, was it ever there? I don't know. Obviously, we had 20 years apart and it's hard to kind of get that back. And I think being a mum, you question your own mum. You'll do it. Even Mm. though you've got an amazing family, you'll think, I love the way my mum did that. That's why I do this with my boys, you know, or I don't really, I didn't understand that. Or whereas with me, I think I don't get it. I don't get how you went because I miss my kids when I'm at work. Like, today I've come to London, I can't stay over. <laughs> Josh is like, let's get a hotel. I'm like, you mental? No, let's get home. So, is there any um, part in your brain that worried that when you had kids that history might repeat itself, that you might find yourself in a similar yeah. situation? Not, not after I had them, but when I was pregnant with Betsy. And I've always been really honest because that's what I do. I used to pray to Miss Carrie. I used to, really? yeah, I used to run baths that were too hot and... 
I was horrific and I look back and I think I was so unwell because I was just so frightened that I would let her down and because of what she was going to be born into, it was like I knew it wasn't a life I wanted for her. Mm. So, but the minute she was born, I was just like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Really? Yeah, and so many people said to me, you might not get that rush of love or you might not... So I was prepared for that. I'd read so many books and I did think like, I'm not going to love her and that's okay and I'm not going to... But the minute I saw her, I was just like, oh, God, you know, like it just all had a purpose. And I think you just get that. I just got that urge of like I would die for you and kill for you without question. You know, she was just just amazing. And and I just wanted loads more of her. (laughs) Yeah. So um, and, you know, the thing when I obviously met her dad, I took on three um, little girls, stepdaughters. And And you were fairly young at that point. Yeah, 19. Yeah. And now with Josh's boys, you know, that mm. love for them is, is as strong as it is with my own children because I think they don't pick their situations. They no. don't choose for their parents to split up and separate and argue and fight. So, you know, it's our job, isn't it? If we're going to take on kids as hard as it is, and it is so hard, especially for, you know, some people with, you know, just fighting yeah, adults that yeah. can't behave like adults, you yeah. know, that can't focus on kids. It's, um, it's difficult. So, no, but... So when yeah. you found out you were pregnant with Betsy, you were in quite a, a difficult relationship, yeah. let's say. Yeah, yeah, really abusive. Um, and then she was born and we went into Women's Refuge. And that was it really for for the 10 years that I was in that relationship. That's kind of how it was. And um, Was it a shock when you found out that you were pregnant? Like... Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And when I look back at my life now, I think... I'm amazed I got to 19 because I deal with so many teenage girls that are pregnant, you know, 14, 15 year olds that contact me. And I think I'm amazed that wasn't me. I don't know how it wasn't. So I kind of I think by the age I got to 19 thought, I don't think I can have kids. You know, when you think I don't think I can get pregnant. So I kind of just, you know, if I missed the pill, I didn't bother. And and then when I found out I was, I was like, oh, God. You know, it was, I was really frightened. How long had you been with um, with her dad about um, about a year? Okay, and things so, weren't great. No, and and I knew what his girls were witnessing, so mm. I knew what was to come. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't ideal. Yeah, but you know, it's it's made her an amazing person, and she's not had a relationship where at fifteen you would think, well, she's not going to. But you know, over half of her friends are sexually active. Yeah. And I listen to her, you know, I sit outside her room and just listen to the conversations when, like, their boyfriends have cheated or, you know, they're doing this to them and they're doing that. And she's just got such a head on her shoulders of, like, wisdom. And I think that is because of her upbringing. Mm. That's because of what she's seen. It's because of the things I tell her where a lot of people think she's probably heard and seen too much. And, of course, she has. You know, I wouldn't wish the first seven years of, of her life on anyone, but she's not going to enter into abusive relationships, hopefully, because of what she's seen. And the advice she gives yeah. to people just blows me away. Really? You know? Yeah. And, and just, like, pumping her friends with, like, self-confidence and, like, just bin him off and we'll go and get a full breakfast at Brodie's. <laughs> you know, she's like, just stay here tonight. My mum will get us face masks. And, you know, it's like she's just, I don't know, like, her self-worth, I suppose. Yeah. She doesn't need a boyfriend. She's just happy and she's just... Yeah, she's just really lovely. So I think it's, we've done all right. <laughs> You've definitely done yeah, all right. Yeah, she's okay. Does it surprise you looking back at yourself when you first had Betsy? How do you mean, like now? Like comparing yourself from like, now to then, like the person yeah. that you are now. Yeah, because I was so unwell. Mm. I think I was so... And I think that's why I just get women that contact me and say I don't want to live because that was how I felt. I just I used to look at her and think you know, would you be better if I just wasn't here and then your dad went on to meet someone else and you, he was happy with her and then you had a normal stepmom? You know, I I used to question all sorts in my mind. Yeah, really bad postnatal yeah, depression as well. Yeah, horrific. Um, Which isn't surprising no, considering the fact considering, that you were in a beautiful yeah, relationship. Yeah, and... yeah. But then I think, like, I bumped into my friend on the weekend and um, one of my best friends and she's just had her boys are 16 months and she just burst into tears and was like I can't do this like I can't cope and I, and I we were in the middle of a really busy cafe and she was streaming and I was like it's fine like just give it another six months like they can't communicate they they think they can do everything they can't they're mm. just a nightmare 
but she's in a really happy relationship and she's got a good job and yeah. and she's drowning yeah. you know but ultimately she stood in a pub crying and then when I said to her like the next day are you okay she's like no and I, I'm not I've not been okay and I've just lied to everyone and I that's the thing though yeah. I think so many people do because yeah. you, you think that's your You're first so test as a mum exactly like you should be happy so many people have it worse than you and I think that's where we fail and like I spoke to her on the phone and, and she was just in bits and then I hung the phone up and then I burst into tears and I said to Josh, I can't cope, like I've been such a rubbish friend. And he was like, no, you haven't because mm. she's acted like she's okay. And then he like cuddled me and he said, you won't be like that because you've got me. And I was like, yeah, but ultimately, Josh, I could be yeah. because she's got her husband and yeah. they're really happy. And, and you know, that is the reality. You, you don't know, you know, I deal with women all the time, millionaires, drive brand new Range Rovers, you know, their husbands idolise them. They've got the perfect life, but they don't want to be here, you know? Mm. And I think until kind of we change that as a society and stand up and say, we're not okay. Well, isn't that the biggest statistic as well? Yeah. The number one cause of yeah. suicide yeah. within mums of the yeah. first year is yeah. of death, sorry, is suicide. And it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. You know, when you actually delve into it, it's a, it's just massive. It's just awful. We've just had a um, four-bedded unit built down in Exeter for mums, new mums with, you know, all kinds of illnesses and they've already said we need to get it to eight like we're not coping and it's only been open a matter of months so we're fundraising now to try and make that bigger and I think that's just our area Mm. you know like this is worldwide so um when you were going through it after you had Betsy did you feel like you could say to people I'm not coping and I lied you know I'd go into toddler group on a Friday and I'd be with other mums that I knew my sister her friends and I just felt like I was the only one that wasn't coping because, and I, and I don't get this, like, oh, he slept through. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to know. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the worst thing you can ever say to anyone. Like, yeah, he slept through since he was six weeks. Don't, I feel like blocking you. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't ever say that. And, and don't go on that you've nailed breastfeeding. Like, say it Rex. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And I think I'd go in and they'd be like, oh, yeah, he slept through. You know, I'm going to go down Primark after and buy myself loads of new clothes. I feel great. And I would just be sat there like, oh, I can't do this. Like, am I the only one that's like drowning in tiredness? And mm. yeah, it just just silly little things like breastfeeding or bottle or, you know, when you pull your jar of food out and people look at you in disgust. It's like, we don't need that. You just need to cope. You yeah. just need to survive. And this baby needs to stay alive. And whether that's with a jar of food or, you know, your homemade broccoli mash, we don't <laughs> care. <laughs> so um, so I think a lot of, you know, everything I, I shout about is based on my own experiences. And, and that's definitely kind of stuck with me. You know, it's like you have this baby and you've got all these books and stuff. But the reality is you still can't, you can't be honest. I think if someone walked mm. into a toddler group today and burst into tears and said, I'm not coping, a lot of people would look at them like, oh. I think over the last couple of years, I feel like there's been a bit of a shift. Yeah. And there, there because is more honesty. Because we're all shouting about yeah. it. And, and I get, you know, this morning alone, I've had two women bloggers contact me with like the hashtag on their hand and say like, we be involved in our campaign. And I think we've got to do that. But ultimately, we've got to do more than just shouting about it we've then got to be there you know and continuing yeah, that conversation yeah. it can't just be for like yeah. one week a year it's got to be something that actually we tap into yeah, people and we're, on and a we're okay basis. with because yeah. if someone breaks their leg or their arm we're all signing their plastic cast and checking they're okay but yeah. if someone says my brain's not working properly and i'm not okay we all kind of think oh i don't know what to do with you mm. So, um, and knowing that it's not just the newborn yeah, phase, you know, yeah. it could be like two months down the line, yeah. it could be two years down the line. We're it's suddenly... teenagers, <laughs> like honestly, with Betsy, I just sit there and I'm like, I could just go to the library and get a book when you wouldn't eat or feed when you were a baby. Like, I yeah. don't know what to do. Do I buy you alcohol or do I let you go to a corner shop? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what is worse? <laughs> is there that thing, though, where because, you know, you've got five, do you think you kind of know certain stages? I know everyone, every child's different. I think you forget. Really? But do you not with the boys? Like, no, when you I think... Do, yeah. Oh God! When's he going to roll over? Well, when did the last one roll? I'm I don't know. Videos, yeah, then. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Thank God for camera rolls. How did they used to come when we were little? But with Betsy, you're going through something that's completely new each yeah. time. No idea. No idea what to do because she's an August baby. So all of our friends are going to be 16 ah, soon, right. and she's only just 15. So she's already a year behind everyone. 
And then, you know, you've got some mums that let them go and camp in a tent in a field. And then I've got Josh, who's a police officer, that's like, she is not going near a field. Like, we're going to arrest everyone in that field. (laughs) It's just a nightmare. And then, you know, you get some parents that let their kids drink and then you get others that are... And Betsy's like, well, can you buy me a bottle of wine? And I'm like, oh, God, like, I don't even know what to do. Like, is it illegal? Is it not? Like, do I say no and then hope that she doesn't go to a corner shop and get a guy to just buy her a bottle of wine? It's... Are you better off knowing and kind of guiding? Because I, you know, if you think back to our childhood and what we were doing at a younger age. Awful. Yeah. And that's what I don't want. That's what. But it's but it's tricky because how I manage Betsy isn't how other parents would manage her friends. And it's not how you would manage the other kids growing up. That's just how you and Betsy work. So it's really tricky because, you know, I'll agree to something and then she'll go be like oh well such and such is staying over and I'm like well does her mum know that that's the curfew and does it's just it's really hard and Josh is just like runs the show like it's an army camp do you know what I mean we're like on totally different wavelengths she's like can we just not mention this to him and I'm like kind of need to (laughs) he lives with us he's my husband (laughs) he's in charge is there something in that you know when you blend families and become you know this patchwork family yeah Do you have to learn how to deal with each other's, well, that are now your collective children, but in a way that is, you're balancing things? Yeah, I suppose, I think we've got it luckier than most. Edie still sees her dad regularly, but the other four are with us solely. So Mm. we've kind of had to take on those parental roles. So, and the kids have just accepted that and they like it. Yeah, they're really good. We don't ever have like, oh, he's not my dad, she's not my mum. They're just... That's pretty amazing. And they're brothers and sisters. If anyone goes, oh, she's stepsister, it's like, no. And, you know, if Seb's friends come in and they'll go, why do you call her Rachel? And he goes, oh, we just call our mum and dad Rachel and Josh because they get really embarrassed by the step kind of part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, like, give me a look, you know. And um, so we run it really well and Josh is really good. He tells me that he's the one that manages it and I, the kids see me as a way out. So he just <laughs> row. Like. But he literally, like, dumps a whole broccoli on their plate and expects them to eat it. And they're like, Mum, like, what is this? And then he's like, eat your veg. And I'm like, you've given them a tree. Like, they cannot eat a tree. And then he's like, you're undermining me in front of the kids. So I'm like, no, I'm not. But they can't eat a tree. Like, honestly, Josh, they won't go off the toilet for a week. Like, seriously. So we have that, like... But I think we will have that over this baby. I don't think it'll be any different. I think, you know, he works um, obviously really hard and he can go like two months where he's on kind of lates and night shifts and he isn't at home in the morning. I really miss him doing the school run and the kids are like, oh, is dad going to be home? And then when he's home, it's just hell. He's like, why are you eating toast? Like, why are you eating white toast? Like, eat the one with the seeds in. Do you know what I mean? We need a bit of variety. And I'm like, she's not even had toast for a month. She's been living on shreddies. Why are you coming in? And it's all just... And everyone's like, why is he home? Why is he here? (laughs) And then he'll do, like, you know, shifts where he's home every morning for a week and the kids are just like, can't he go to the gym? Like, can't he just go out there? So I can't have him. And that's what you're really honest about in your posts and stuff. And is it... Does it kind of feel sometimes like almost therapy you're talking about stuff and adding humor to it yeah so you're seeing yeah the humor. and i think when people then reply to me like it's the funniest thing and yeah. that's what keeps me going like he did like pat lunches and just made them horrendous and then some woman commented and said oh well my husband did pat lunches and i told him that i'd made our daughter's sandwiches and it was in the fridge so he put it in a pat lunch and then the school rang me and was like your daughter's literally coming with a ham hock wrapped in foil and she was just sat <laughs> eating it because her husband had just like put this ham hock in her lunchbox and sent her in she's like i wouldn't mind but it weighed about four stone oh i don't even know gosh. she's only like six like like she sat and and just stuff like that, like the way people write it is yeah. just hilarious. So yeah, I do think, and I think it helps people because I don't think anyone's like you say with you being on social media. I imagine everyone looks at you and thinks, God, I'd love to have G and Tom's life. Mm. They're so lucky. They're so this. But the reality is, there's days where you're like, just get out, Tom. Yeah. You know, just. And it's the same with the kids. It's just I think any situation you're in, it's hard. And and as much as you know, I love him to bits. He drives me mad and it's the same with me. You know, it's just this family life, isn't it, Renee? So, it is. Yeah. But you don't do, like, you've got a big family. You've got two pigs as well. We've got, we've got guinea pigs and we've got ten chickens. Right. That have got the run of the garden. Yeah, it's a bit like a small holding. But you also invite in all the friends, yeah. all the kids' friends. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. We. Do. I don't think Betsy stayed at home for probably 18 months without a friend. Really? So, yeah, she... 
she loves it but like when people obviously I put it on my Instagram stories and I get so many responses and, and comments on my post like how do you cope with all these kids in your house but they become such a part of our family that you know Betsy's best friend G I can be like G go and bath Edie can you just dry her hair can you just de-knit her can you do that you know <laughs> oh can someone hoover the stairs and they're so good like they're more helpful than my kids do you know what I mean <laughs> and then in the morning I'm like who needs bus fare and they're like Mimi but I just think you know ultimately my lifeline was other people's families yeah. and taking me in and I just think I love it. I love that they, you know, they rock in when Betsy's at work. And I'm like, oh, Betsy's not back till five. And they're like, yeah, I know. Can I have a cup of tea? <laughs> Josh is like, really? I thought we were having the day, the two of us. <laughs> so, um, no, it's fine. And it works. And it's just it's just nice. It's just nice yeah. to have that busy household, really. So I, we love it. Yeah. I it don't think Josh amazing. loves it as much as me. But oh, really? Well, when we met, he um, obviously just had the two boys and they'd never had a sleepover or you know, they were like four and eight back then. And he led like a really quiet life. He's a bird watcher, you know, he just, it was, it was literally like he wouldn't speak to anyone for months other than when he was arresting people. And then he met me and it was just like, oh. So for like probably the first year we moved in together, Betsy would just like be like, oh, mum, such and such is staying. And I was like, yeah, cool. And he was like, we've not discussed it. And I was like, we don't discuss it. Like, that's the way it is. Yeah. And I kind of thought, oh, we've got to meet in the middle because he just isn't used to it. So, um, so yeah, it was really difficult because we'd just come from opposites, um, really. But he's... It's just so normal now, you know? It's just... And I think with age, you know, we're five years on now, so the kids are teenagers. Yeah. So where when they were a lot younger, it's harder to have kids over all the time. You know, like, Edie will cry all the time that Betsy's always got mates over and she doesn't have them. And I'm like, yeah, but when Bets was five... She didn't have friends yeah. over all the time because you're tiny and people don't want to let their babies go. Like, I don't let you go and stay out because mummy wants you with me. But obviously, as they get bigger, they just rock in from school. You'll have it all in a few years. You'll be messaging me like, what is going on? I've got a house where they've ruined Tom's drums. <laughs> yeah, so no, it's good. It's fine. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And how have, um, so the pregnancies kind of compared, like if you think about your first one 19 years ago to now? yeah. Betsy oh god I can't I think my body coats better my births were all really really random so Betsy I got something called a vulval hematoma which was like a bleed and I needed to have um it like drained out and loads of blood transfusions I had preeclampsia with her preeclampsia with Lou she was out in 18 minutes in the lift no oh one believed gosh. that I was in labor they were all like you're being really dramatic it's just because I was induced because of the preeclampsia they were like it's just the pain from the induction and I was like I can feel something and they'd put me on the ward where after the women have their babies they go to so it's full of family and I was there with my mum and my sister 
and her dad at the time, I said, they wouldn't give me any pain relief. And I was like, I need pain relief. Like, this baby's coming. They were all like, oh, God, here she goes. So he went to Boots to buy a TENS machine because they wouldn't give me any pain relief. And then I said to my sister, like, it's coming. And she was like, you're being dramatic. I remember just ripping the quilt back and pulling my nightie up. And her head was there. And there were all these men <laughs> and kids, like, sat around, like, oh, God. And then she ran and got the midwives. And then they literally just collapsed the bed to get me up really? to labour. But and he came back clutching a TENS machine. And I was like, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Edie was breech. Um, and she had no fluid and the cord around her neck. So it was just too dangerous. So she was C-section. So it's all, and you talk um, really amazingly about a C-section as well, yeah. Because I think so often we're told, "Oh, too posh to push," yeah. Or and and I've my sister saved me after hers. She had an emergency C-section, and it's major abdominal yeah. surgery. Yeah, it's There's huge. nothing. And I remember easy the I remember it. the surgeon saying that to me when she came around. She said, "Don't think that what you've had done because it's so common, mm. you play it down. Like what you've had done is a huge operation." And I get so many women now, like, I'm having a C-section on Friday. Can you tell me, like, don't do anything. Don't think you feel okay. So you're going to go for a walk or you're going to, you know, bath the baby or you're going to run the hoover around because you'll be wiped out for another four days. Like, literally, you need to rest. You've got to because it's a huge, huge surgery. And I think having two natural births and then, or, you know, vaginal and then going to C-section totally wiped me out. Because even just when they wake to feed, that devastation of you've just got to pull yourself up the bed you know to to pick them up and it's like it's just so I've never you know the pain was just horrendous a lot of people pick c-section you know Mm. like now I've had the choice because I've had c-section like what do I want with this baby so I've actually got a course with a lady down in Devon to do the hypnobirth in in June yes yeah yeah she's amazing that's Siobhan Miller who's the positive birth yes yeah Yeah. so she um she contacted me and um actually I contacted her because I did a QA and a and loads of people were saying about it and they said about you so then I did a bit of stalking and I was like oh god I didn't I didn't know what I just assumed it was like hippies that sit in water hypnobirth I think is the most amazing yeah. thing so, ever. Uh, so I still don't know that much about it, mm-hmm. but I'm doing a two-day course yeah. with her in June. And um, and I went and met her in a cafe and we sat and we just spoke for like hours about our kids and she was just so lovely. So I'm really excited. And all the feedback I've read from obviously yourself and other women have said like the difference in this birth mm. compared to my others is just phenomenal. And I think that's what I want because I know I can do it. You know, I did it with Tallulah gave birth in a lift without pain relief but it was so stressful and I think it's just not left me with a nice I wouldn't want to do that again so um what's nice I think about Siobhan and Holly who I did it with actually it's not about kind of going I'm not gonna have any drugs I'm gonna just you know grin and bear it and you know be quiet and silent it's actually about let's get rid of everything else that will worry you you and get you in a really calm place so that whatever happens you're going at it in a place in a place of calm yeah and if that all goes wrong then you know how to cope if it goes wrong that's kind of how she put it to me and I just think I've given birth three times and I just didn't know such simple things like she was saying to me if you know what you're doing your body releases a certain drug which helps you through labor and keeps you calm if you panic you then release adrenaline which is basically the worst thing you can have in labor well I think I've probably got through all my births with adrenaline. Do you know what I mean? Like, I haven't got a clue. And I was just like, how don't I know this stuff? I know, it's because, yeah, yeah. you just don't. So, so I just think I'm really excited about doing that. And and I just hope, you know, I would love to have a home birth more than anything. Really? But I just, yeah. Because the thought of all the kids, like their head yeah. popping up over the <laughs> And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, I'd love it. I'd no, love for them. The yeah, everyone just looking yeah. over the pool. I was like, yeah. right. Can someone Dean at Edie and can you make me a cup of tea? Hopefully does. <laughs> Josh running around. Blood and mess. That's what he said. I'm not having blood and mess. I'm like, it's fine. No, apparently it's, it's really, really clean. clean. Yeah, the midwife sort everything out. I don't know. You just hear, you know, it's the same with anything. It's just horror stories, isn't it? So it stresses Josh out because he's just so... And Siobhan said, I cannot wait to have him on this course because I'm going to really? change him. She's like, we are going to turn him. Because he's just, you know, men just worry, don't they? they well, they want to the fix it. They want, yeah. yeah. And I think, like, from what she said, she gets the men involved. So if you panic mm-hmm. with your breathing, they know what to do. And I think that's really important because... It must be really hard for them to be there watching their wives in so much pain and not being able not to have fix a role. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, you're just... 
you know, the amount of times I've said to Josh, like, he's like, whew, as if he's really tired doing the dishes. And I'm like, I'm carrying this. And he's like, if I could, I would. The way we're built, I can't carry it. So um, I think they kind of just have to do their work and sit back. Whereas yeah. they would, if they could have more involvement, they would. So I'm really excited to kind of go and take him along and... It's probably really nice as well because uh, like, it means that sort of five, ten minutes a night you're together. Yeah. Just sort of thinking about the new baby yeah. and breathing. And it's probably because it is so chaotic. Yeah. Actually just having that moment where yeah. it's kind of you two and the yeah. newbie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited. And I love the fact that they're all going to have a sibling. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like they're all, it's kind of the icing on the cake. They're all going to share something. And um, I mean, Edie's not going to share anything. She's horrific already. It's basically like <laughs> she's just renting my womb for her child. <laughs> like when I've gone to buy like the Lance Nog, she's like, what is that? I'm like, to put on mummy's nipples when I feed. No, we are giving it bot box. So I'm like, no, darling, mummy's going to try and feed. No, mummy, because then I can't do that. Edie's got no boobs. Edie needs, I'm like, oh, God. So we're going to have hell, I think, trying to kind of share with her. You know, if they get a look in, she's just <laughs> going to go mad. Are they all excited? Yeah. Yeah, really excited. Betsy's just hilarious. She just wants everything to kind of match with what she wears. Because she's like, I need the pram to be in, Mum, because I'm going to be taking it out with my friends. I'm like, oh, Betsy's not a doll. <laughs> and they all want a boy. Oh, really? Yeah, they all, they all want a boy. They're all desperate I for a I guess because then it makes it three and three as well. Yeah, but I'm quite surprised. I thought the girls would want a girl, but they don't. But we've got loads of boys. So we've got my nephew, Rupert, and loads of boys in the family that are babies that are just really cute. I don't know. I don't know. I've got no clue what it is. Like, no clue. You don't really, though, no, do you? No, yeah, but some people go, I knew, I knew, <laughs> I knew it was a boy. And I'm like, I've not got a clue. But you feel like that's your first test as a yeah. mum? Like, no, I no, don't that's know. What I think. <laughs> and then I literally sit, you know, if I post a picture of my bum, I'll go through the comments and people are like, definitely a girl. The way you're carrying it's a boy. And I sit there with a piece of paper, like, and Josh is like, what are you doing? It's hocus pocus. <laughs> my mum will literally be so on it with someone going, definitely, definitely a boy, definitely, I'm telling you, is definitely, she right? 100%. Oh, no, never. She's even had her crystals up before, tried to convince my sister that she's having twins. Oh, no. Yeah. You know yeah. you're having a baby. Yeah, that's, that's 100%. it. Yeah, that's what Josh says. It'll be one or the other. I'm like, yeah, it will. <laughs> but let's just guess. It's Was fun. it difficult, like, deciding not to find out? No, but now it is because oh, really? I've got loads of friends that are pregnant. So I've got five having boys and my friend Beck's having a girl. So that's a lot of boys. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm having a boy. And Josh is like, and I'm like, I, I know I am because Helen's just found out. And he's like, oh, wow. Well, we don't need to scan if Helen's having a boy. We're bound to be at. Right. Oh, but like now I'm like, oh, should we just find out? Should we go and get a scan? And he's like, no, we're not. And I keep thinking um, of like the labour, if I know. Of course, it's still going to be amazing. But if I don't know, like I'm picturing them taking the baby and placing it into Josh's arms and thinking if I don't know and if I do know and I just think I'll feel better if I don't know and we get that minute and then we tell the kids like it's a boy or a girl rather than now, but it's killing me. (laughs) I'm so impatient. Yeah. I think if Josh said now, oh, come on, let's find out, I probably would. But that's all it takes, isn't it? One of you to have a moment of weakness. But he's so good. He's so like, we're not doing it, Rach. Like we said, we're not doing it. So um, we were in Exeter a couple of Fridays ago and the baby scan place is there. And I said, oh, should we just ring and see if we can get a scan? And he was like, for what? And I was like, just to go and hang out with the baby and see it. And he was like, okay. So we went in and they said, like is it a gender scan and I, and I kind of looked at him he was like no she just wants to hang out with the baby and see it we're just paying 85 quid to spend five minutes looking at it and she was like right a reassurance scan and he was like no nope, not that either we just want to see it so she literally just like got it up and she was like look away because I invite its genitals and then she's like I was like brilliant thanks and then we left and I was like what's the point of that he's like I don't know so um no we didn't but I'm no, I'm I'm happy. But when I had my 20-week scan, I said to the snogger, like, does everyone find out? And she said she only has 8% of couples that don't. Ooh. Yeah. Did you find out with yours? No. Didn't you? No. What, with any of them? No. And the third time around, I hadn't really thought about it until I was asked if I wanted to know. I looked at Tom and was like, we don't do we? we? We don't do that. We've never done that before. And we're like, no, no, no. no. And why is that? Just because you do, we just weren't bothered? Yeah, just that nice moment where it yeah. is that surprise. And you're like, oh, so already you've got a baby. And you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, what is, yeah, what yeah, is that's it? Yeah, that's what I think. And usually it's Tom's job to tell me. But this yeah. time I looked and was like, is that mine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, 
Yeah, that's how I look at it. And one of us is in for a surprise because obviously Josh has had boys and I've had yeah. girls. So oh my gosh. Yeah. So one of you's going to be like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully him, and then I can sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it weird thinking? Oh gosh, you're going back to the start. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they just they just sleep through now, and it's easy. And I think when I have a bad night, so Isaac sleepwalks quite a lot. And when he does, then I don't settle again because I just panic. He's going to walk out the house. You know, like we went away last weekend and I found him in the bin at three in the morning in the kitchen looking for his leg. And I was like, what are you, darling, what are you doing? And he's like got orange peel and wet tea bags and he's just launching all over. And he's like, I'm looking for my leg like I'm an idiot. And I'm like, darling, your leg's on your body. Like it's here. Yeah. Like, And he's just, but he's so asleep. He's like ranting, looking for this leg for half an hour. So, what do you um, have to do in that situation? I just let him do it. Right. Because if you try and wake them, it, they say it frightens So You couldn't wake him up out of it anyway. But he finds it hilarious the next morning. Because I'll go into him <laughs> like, all right, all right, do you find your leg? And he's like, what? And I'm like, look. And I'll show him. And he's just like, ha, ha, ha. I'm so funny, aren't <laughs> I? I you can film it Yeah, now. yeah. He's like, aren't I funny? I'm like, no, I'm tired. You're not funny. <laughs> I'm absolutely knackered. <laughs> So, um, like, when I have nights of him sleepwalking, I'm really tired and I keep thinking, oh, God, this will be life. But it's not forever, is it? No. And I think that's kind of where I'm at now. I just think, I think the first four years are hell. And that's what I tell people, you know. <laughs> when they start primary school, they're so tired. Like, all of yeah. mine I've found, and because I've got August babies, this one will be an August baby, they've just kind of started school at four and mm. they're shattered yeah. so and they start eating well like I just find my kids for the first four years just dip and go through highs of what they eat and then by the time they start primary school when they come in and they're starving and you're like it's spaghetti it's roast lamb <laughs> they'll just eat yeah so yeah I think four years of hell and then we're fine <laughs> <laughs> and what's been your biggest worry as a mum with this baby or in general in general Probably how they're going to turn out because I think I had obviously um, a really rubbish upbringing and then I went into foster care and I was just a really horrid teenager and, you know, I did a lot of things which I look back on now and think I could have ended up in prison or I could have um, not be here today. You know, that's the reality of the stuff that I was kind of getting up to. And I think I deal with so many people that just live in this dream world where they think because they bring their kids up properly they won't turn into that whereas the reality is the kids that I was doing that stuff with were going home to parents that were millionaires or really yeah. decent nice kind parents and lovely homes and you know some of those have gone on to you know be addicted to drugs or you know just ruin their lives mm. so I think that's kind of why I take the approach that I do with Betsy because you've got to have a child that will be honest with you about anything because if you don't, then I think that's kind of where you fall down and go wrong. And and I think it's also about letting them know that if they're, you know, a crap girlfriend or not a very nice friend or a rubbish sister, at times it's okay because yeah. as, as humans we all kind of mess up and we're not good people at times. You know, we've all done stuff which... I think we cringe about and think, oh, God, how did I treat that person like that? Or why wasn't I there for them? Or, you know, I I did something really bad there. And I just think that's kind of how I say to my kids, you know, you're not always going to be nice. You're not always going to make the best decisions. But it's about learning from that and going, yeah, OK, that, that actually wasn't a good thing to do. But, you know, in future that da 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 da. And, you know, and as, as adults, we still do it. You know, I have days where I think, God, I could have handled that better. I didn't really need to snap at him or, mm. you know. But I think just in general, just just making sure they're OK. And that's not in terms of going on to be really wealthy or, you know, having amazing careers. I just want them to be happy and I just mm. want them to meet partners that are going to love them. You know, I don't care if they have got five kids and, you know, and don't have any money. I just think as long as they're happy and they're in a relationship where they're loved and respected, then, you know, we've kind of done our job all right, really. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's really interesting listening to you talk. There's so many parallels with you and the Davina episode and the things that oh, she really? said. Oh, really? Yeah, having done things in sort of growing up. Yeah. And how that's made her sort of interact with her teenagers. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Yeah, because I think so many people just obsess over their kids going to uni and it's just, it's not there for me at all. And I think, I don't think Betsy will go to uni. I don't think she's got it in her to go to uni because she hates school, she hates exams. And she might really surprise me and go, do you know what, actually, mum, I'm going to do it. Because she could do it. She's just not academic. 
And when she comes home, she's like, oh, I've had a really bad day. I've got this percent in my science or this in my maths. I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't pass your GCSEs. As long as you've tried, that's all you can say. Like, there is, you know, we're asking kids to make decisions. I think I've only done what I really love doing in the last three years of my life, and I'm nearly 40. You know, we're asking like 12, 13 year olds to make choices about what topics they're taking to go on for their life. It's like, what? Well, but and then you hear so many people who have gone to uni who and end spent, up doing stuff. And, and in so much debt. Yeah, and, and end up they, doing something that's yeah. not even related to what or they, they studied. Or they didn't need the degree for. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. So with education, obviously, it's really good if they come out and they get their GCSEs. But I think you can always kind of return to it. And there's so many other options that you can take or, you know, do stuff later or, you know, apprenticeships where you can work. Like Betsy will just graft. She's got it in her to work. She loves earning money. And anyone that she's had a job for will say to me, like, you know, she runs rings around 18-year-olds. She's really good. We've given her a pay rise. She's so lovely. And <laughs> that I must think be that, amazing yeah, to hear your yeah, child. Yeah, it is. Because I think, you know, then a teacher will ring and be like, oh, she's messed about in maths and she's thrown a pen <laughs> and she's in isolation. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> but I think ultimately she's a really good kid. And, you know, and that's all I kind of... Whereas Tallulah's the opposite. You know, she wants to do her 11 plus and we've got her a tutor and she's working really hard. So she'll probably go on to grammar like her tutor said she's got a really good chance I think she'll be really academic and you know go on to save all the animals in the world but you're just raising so many different children with different kind of hopes and dreams and Mm. it's just about ultimately just if they're happy I don't care what they do I don't care you know how much money they make I just want them to go through life being a decent person that kind of look out for others and are just not hurt by other people that's that's my biggest worry really yeah and for you, you I know that when you started blogging, you had actually come off social media completely. Yeah. And yeah. you came on to start. What made you want to share so much of you? Probably because, um, so I, at the time I wrote a post to Spotted Talkie, which was about a lady that I'd driven past every day on the way to school for like, 10 years I dropped my kids at breakfast club and then gone to work and every day I drove past her and she kind of started off with like tiny babies a tiny little golden retriever puppy she was absolutely stunning with this curly blonde hair and I just drove past her every day and I had that pang of like god she's a good mum do you know what I mean she's nailing it she's like her kids are out the door she's and then no one's on the floor crying yeah 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 exactly (laughs) you know I was going to my kids school if I finished early to pick them up and they'd be like have you got any ID because no one knew who I was you know because I just I was just at work and then like you know for 10 years I was driving past her and you know the kids were obviously older the dog was nearly dead dragging it along you know everything had changed and and she was just such an inspiration to me as a mum and I just thought I just want to be like her, like I want to do some school runs, I want to go to some stuff. And I had a really demanding career and it was really tricky. So I wrote a post to Spotted Talkie, which was an anonymous post, just to say, cause, you know, just a thank you. Yeah. Just didn't even think it would go anywhere. And it went crazy, like as far as America, China. There were press camps on the bridge. So the next morning I drove to work and there was all these reporters on the no. bridge. And I was like oh what are they doing and then I got into work and my boss I said to my boss there's loads of reports on the bridge and he was like yeah have you seen this post and I was like oh my god <laughs> I was like, what have I done to yeah. the lady and then I was repeatedly ringing Josh he was in custody like couldn't talk and I was like I need him like do I press 999 and try and get a hold of him I don't know what to do so um yeah it went mental and this poor woman was like really private not on social media like and she just had her whole life blown up. She couldn't take her kids to school for a week because they were just camped in her garden, oh like desperate gosh. to get a picture. And then everyone in the comments of that post were like, whoever wrote this post needs to blog, like they need to blog. And I was saying to Josh, like, so then I looked and I found like mummy bloggers with like huge followings, but they kind of all had their lives together, which is really nice, but I didn't and I never have really. So I said to Josh, oh God, I'll be... And because of everything we'd been through as well, I just thought the hate that I would get on the posts mm. would be mega. And Josh was just like, but Rach, loads of people have been through like stuff in their lives, like they'll probably relate. So I did and I played it safe for a couple of months and just kind of tried to write funny stuff and it wasn't really going anywhere. And then one day I had like a really bad day and the kids had driven me mental and Josh and I had argued and and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to write about it. I'm just going to be honest because I might get just a bit of support. Mm. And it just went mad. 
and it just made me see that actually being honest about things not being easy it helps people and they really help me you know with their responses and just the just the love and the support that you know like you get you know people root for you don't they that don't even know you and it's really heartwarming that you know strangers see the good that you do and want to be part of it and mm. that builds a community that ultimately goes on to change lives of other people so well, and, and and i think the great thing about what you do is you talk about the fact that your situation comes with so much judgment about yeah. it maybe being wrong and actually you're showing that it's right yeah yeah exactly and i think if i had the option now for someone to go okay you can go back to the start and you can meet josh when you're both 18 and you can have your children together and you can live happily ever after what would you choose? And I wouldn't choose it. Mm. I would want what we've got today because yeah. I think it's so powerful and it's so... For our kids, like, our kids have grown up knowing... Like, Betsy is just fierce with, like, steps and halves and she will not have, like, anyone say bad things about step families. Really? And, yeah, and she's really respectful of, like, step parents, you know, when she goes to people's houses and and is just aware of stuff. And I think, you know, what we've got is is amazing and I think... So, like you say, so many people probably look and go, oh, whereas I think because I've shouted about it so much and, you know, shown how happy we are, as crazy as it is, we are so happy, you know, Josh and I are so in love, our kids just idolise one another and we're a really strong family unit. I think it kind of gives step families that hope, you know, where it's like, actually, we're not we're not scum of the earth we're not you know to be frowned upon to be a step parent it's such an important role and it's and it's hard it's Mm. a hard role you know you've got a microscope upon you all the time from you know her ex-partner's parents and his and this and family court and the school and you're under a microscope where you're being judged and actually when everything's going okay no one stops you and goes you're doing a really good job raising Mm. someone else's kids like you're doing amazing but the minute you do something wrong like you favor your own child or you don't give them that or you buy her adidas trainer and her nike or you know everyone (laughs) it's like oh my god you're and it's just like oh god give her a break Mm. so um you know it's like edie you know she's got a stepmom where she goes and stays with her dad and and she idolizes her and i think it's no different, really, her feeling like that about her stepmom than feeling like it about Josh's sister. Because yeah. if she had the choice to go to Josh's sister's house, Hannah, and spend the day there, she would pick that over me all day long. That doesn't bother me. I think it's well, really it doesn't cute. mean that she doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean that I'm not her mum. She yeah. still comes home and she wants and needs me. So it's the same with her stepmom. Like, I would much rather her say, actually, can I go to Dad's today and, and be with um, you know, Dad and his girlfriend rather than her begging not to go because she didn't like her or she didn't feel Mm. loved like there's nothing worse than that yeah and that's how I grew up so I think I don't want anything terrible relationship yeah and you know I haven't spoke to her for for over 10 years but I think I wouldn't want that on any child I just want you know kids to be loved and I I just wish that we could kind of as adults see outside the box to to do that for Mm. for our kids because that's who it's about you know that's the only person really that it affects well, I think the way that you speak about it is so admirable. Uh, my mum and dad aren't together. And oh, aren't they? No, they're I didn't not together. Even know that. No, they've not been together since I was sixteen. And to be honest, it was a terrible time for the first few years. Lots of animosity. But we spend Christmas together now. Like everyone's yeah, together. Yeah, that's why I look yeah. at your family and I'm like, I would just want to be Italian. I just <laughs> want that. <laughs> well, we and I think it was us kids going. You brought us into this world, and yeah. fair enough, you don't want to be together. But we want to have Christmas with a family. Like you know. Yeah. And it wasn't easy, but, you know, we're there now and we've got yeah. an amazing stepmom. And, yeah. and, you do, and, I, and I do think you kind of look at your parent as well and kind of look at who who's making them happy. Yeah. And you kind of, I want them to be a part yeah. of us. Yeah, you do. You do. And I think, you know, ultimately stepchildren grow up to know what's right and wrong. Mm. So, you know, being a stepmom or a stepdad while you've got a stepchild that hates you and is saying, you're not my mum or you're not my dad or you're, they're still a child. Yeah. They're still a baby. And ultimately they are going to grow and they're going to look back. I look back and I see that, you know, my home life, my mum was always like an evil person. She was this, she was that. That didn't make me hate my mum. That made me hate the people that were saying that to me because mm. it made me miss my mum more. Do you know what I mean? Not at any point did I believe them and think, my mum's a really evil person. Well, because it didn't marry up with the image yeah, of, that you of, had of, of her. my mum. Yeah. yeah, and then I would go and see my mum like a couple of times a year, and she would never badmouth my dad or stepmum. Do you know what I mean? She was, just, and when I would say, "Well, they've said this," she'd be like, "Just ignore them. D- mm. Don't take it in." And I think, you know, when you're a baby, you don't say stuff, or a child, or even a teenager. But when you get to adulthood and you look back, you see the parent that did right and wrong, and you see the step parent that did right and wrong. And yeah. I think 
that's all I can do. You know, Josh and I won't condone anyone being talked badly about, you know, no matter what our personal feelings are. We don't we don't let anyone come into our home and talk badly about adults or parents or bring adult conflict into it because they're, they're babies. And mm. I think so many children have to recover from childhoods now and it's just, it's not the way. They, they don't need to carry any burden or responsibility. So, yeah. I think the way that you talk about everything online is is amazing. Oh, so, thank you. so thank you for doing all of that. And I think you jogging around the world after you've just given birth is amazing. <laughs> I waited six months, otherwise my insides would be outside. <laughs> so we finish every podcast with three sentences. Okay. So you just have to finish them. Oh, right. It's okay. easy. Go on. Being a mum means? The world to me. Since becoming a mum, I? I'm really stressed all the time. <laughs> Uh, and I'm happy when I'm with Josh and the babies. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. Well, return to Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy Aww, a little thank you for London. having me. Thank you so much. I've it's been coming. amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>